Let's face it, AI has gotten a pretty bad rap in the media and pop culture. Just think of Terminator, Blade Runner, or Ex Machina. But I think it's time that we give AI a fair shake. Welcome to Practical AI, the capacity for good, where we speak with some of the brightest minds in the industry about the exciting intersection of AI automation, customer support, and customer experience, and how we can use the latest and greatest technology to help teams do their best work. Hello, my name is James Deal. Welcome to the podcast, Practical AI, the capacity for good. Here we discuss the intersection of AI, automation, and the customer experience. Today, we're going to come at our conversation from more of the customer experience viewpoint. Joining me to do that is Ian Golding, author, speaker, and CEO and founder of Customer Experience Consultancy. He is a certified customer experience professional with over 27 years of experience working across multiple industries, including retail, financial services, logistics, telecoms, and pharmaceuticals. Quite the extensive experience. Welcome to the podcast, Ian. Thank you so much, James. Thank you for having me and for such a lovely introduction as well. Well, I'm excited to have our conversation today, but before we jump into some of the meat of it, I'd love to understand a little bit more about you. Tell me a little bit about yourself and what gets you up in the morning currently. What gets me up in the morning is the gym, actually. I suppose the the classic midlife crisis, I've got to look after my body kind of human being. So I'm an avid gym goer. I am a family man with three children. In fact, the way I describe my family, obviously I have a loving wife, three children, two dogs, and a tortoise, which is always an interesting one because especially in mainland Europe, people say, what is a tortoise? So you have to try and explain it. But yet there are lots of living things in my house. And for all of my working life, I have been driven by doing the right thing is the way I will describe it. Doing what I have always believed is right for the customer, for the people that I work with, my colleagues, and ultimately for the organizations I've worked in and with. What I realized for 17 years of my career on the inside of corporate organizations, that doing the right thing is not necessarily what organizations want you to do. And for much of my career, I thought there was something wrong with me for wanting to do the right thing. For the last 11 years as an independent consultant, I've now been able to do what I feel is right for the organizations I work with. And during that time, I've worked now in 59 countries around the world, as you say, with multiple industries, helping professionals and their organizations understand how to what I describe as operationalize customer experience. So I feel very fortunate that I practice my vocation. It's not a job, it's a vocation. And I will keep doing it for as long as people will listen to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully that's a long time from now. So you were also co-founder of the Entrepreneurial Retreat Program. Being an entrepreneur myself, um, having started multiple companies, I'm intrigued by what that is, a retreat program. There's certainly points in my journey there in businesses where a retreat program would have sounded very helpful. So I collaborate with many professionals in different parts of the world, actually. And the entrepreneurial retreat was an idea that a very good friend of mine, Graham Shapiro, discussed with me a few years ago that we could combine different 
experiences different specialisms to provide leaders with space to think. As you know, being an entrepreneur, very often we're so busy just doing stuff that we don't take time to stop, reflect and think. And that was really the idea behind it. And we take leaders into a very unusual, relaxing space that is not the typical kind of place that they would go to and cover all sorts of different aspects of both customer experience and leadership that gives entrepreneurs that ability to just reflect on where they've got to, but also then think about where they can go in the future. And it's just one of many things that I like to do to support others in developing themselves as well as their businesses. So is that why you started it was the development of others? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, fundamentally, I have a passion for sharing knowledge. I've always believed that people need others to share things with them. And I'm an advocate of what I call shamelessly stealing. And I want everyone to steal anything, anything that I can share that may be of use. I would love people to use it. And so that the entrepreneurial retreat is just one way of getting to a cohort of people who sometimes don't invest enough in themselves because they're too busy doing things, but that's the principle behind it. Excellent. Well, love to hear about that. And I hope that program that's active and- We haven't done one for a year now, but you're stimulating me to get back in touch with Graham to get another one scheduled in for later on this year. All right, there you go. Well, let me know if you do. Absolutely. So let's shift into the customer experience part of this conversation. In your experience, what are the key elements that make a customer experience truly memorable and differentiate it from its a brand from its competitors? It's a very good question. It's something that I discuss on a regular basis. The best way for me to respond to that is that all experiences essentially contain three core elements, the functional, the accessible, and the emotional. The functional element of all experiences represents products and services. Now, when you think about the way organizations have been created historically, most organizations weren't created to be customer-led. They were created to be product-led, sales-led. And what that means is that most have tried to differentiate themselves on that functional element of the experience alone. The challenge is that, unfortunately, we live in a very competitive world and there are very few organizations now whose products and services are unique. Most of us work in an industry where there are lots of others who do exactly the same thing as us. And so differentiating solely on the functional elements is extremely difficult if not impossible. And that's why many organizations over time have had to look beyond the functional to differentiate. And what they're looking towards to do that is the accessible element of the experience. How easy is it for your customer to interact with your products and services? It's no surprise that we're going to touch on the critically important subject of AI because, you know, digital technology has enabled us to make experiences increasingly more accessible. No better example than Amazon. Whether people like Amazon or not, you cannot deny that they have created the most accessible retail experience on earth. And what's fascinating about Amazon that people often forget is that Amazon don't sell anything that's unique. Amazon sell the same stuff as everyone else. It's not the products that differentiate them. It's how easy they make it to get to those products that differentiates them. However, in answer to your question, is it those two elements that make experiences memorable? 
Well, actually, it is the third element of the experience that is the most important of the three, because the third element is the emotional one, which describes or essentially describes the way an experience makes the customer feel. And the reason why that is the most important element of the three is because the way the experience makes a customer feel is what they're most likely to remember. And from all experiences that we have as human beings, we'll remember one of three things. We'll remember very good things, we'll remember very bad things, or we will remember nothing at all. And it's actually that third element that is the worst outcome of the three. Sorry, that that third outcome that is the worst of the three. Because if there is no recollection of an experience, it means there is no emotional connection between you and your customer. So the next time they choose to do something, previous experiences will have little influence on what they choose to do. So what organizations have got to ask themselves continuously is what are their customers remembering about their experience? Are they remembering the good, the bad, or nothing? Can a bad experience, so, so you said something there when you jumped to that third one and said, if you remember nothing at all, that's the worst. I can see that. But can a bad memory be a good thing for a company? So again, very good question. A lot of people say to me, surely a bad experience is the worst thing. Well, the point about something going wrong, and we've got to acknowledge that it doesn't matter how customer-centric an organization is, things will always go wrong. If an experience goes wrong, it gives you the opportunity to correct it. And if you correct it well, customers are more likely to remember the way you corrected it rather than the thing that went wrong in the first place. So some people say to me, well, does that mean that we should intentionally make it go wrong so we can? No, <laughs> no, that's not the point. But if you are exceptionally good at addressing things that go wrong, that can often be more powerful than if it didn't go wrong in the first place. Makes sense. So we've just discussed the critical importance of the customer experience in differentiating a brand. You said, and even then, and there's these different pieces of it, but the functional piece there is harder and harder to really differ. Unless you've got patents, unless you're a brand new first to the market with a new thing that nobody else has, and people are coming to you for that, you have to look beyond that, right? So how do you see the rise of AI impacting that ex the memory and the accessible piece of that customer experience? So digital technology, if I sort of badge all digital as one big thing, has and will continue to play an increasingly important role in our lives. And there is no better demonstration of that than AI right now. If I think back over the last 10 years, this 2023 chat GPT and all of this stuff that's going on, I can't remember a technology advancing quite as quickly as this is. You know, it's remarkable how it's like hit us and almost on a weekly basis, it's adapting and advancing and molding. Now, for me, digital technology is exceptionally important. AI is exceptionally important. But, and there's always a but, the but is the motivation behind organizations adopting it. Now, we also live right now, as well as a, a world that is advancing technologically, we live in an economically challenged world. And those economic challenges are only going to increase as well. Now, what that means is that for many organizations, what's going through their minds is how do we deal with an increasingly competitive environment where we're being challenged by disruptors, disruptors who don't have the legacy of broken processes and you know cultural issues that we have 
and factor in that economic challenge at the same time. You know, there could be another pandemic coming down the track at some point. So many organizations think we've got to do something now. And unfortunately, the motivation then becomes how can we save money? How can we make ourselves more financially effective to enable us to do what we need to do? And very often that leads to a conclusion that the best way of doing that is to eliminate people, not physically, but to reduce the amount of resource we have so we can become leaner in the way that we do things. And when organizations hear about AI, well, AI can do that. You know, what, what do we need a contact center for? You know, we can get a chat bot and just turn that on and we don't need this anymore. And if the motivation is AI can replace human beings, AI can do the things that our people are currently doing. For me, that is a massive worry and a massive concern. And I'll explain why. When I come back to that point about the thing a customer is most likely to remember about the experience is the way they are made to feel. It is not technology that makes customers feel that way. It is not the product that makes them feel what they remember. The thing that a customer is most likely to remember from their experience with an organization, not AI, but it's the way people made them feel. Okay, And if organization's motivation is to replace humans with technology because it's cheaper, they are eliminating the most likely thing that a customer is going to remember. It is the people that define the culture of an organization. And it is that culture that customers will attach themselves to. Now, I don't want you to think that I am anti-AI. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that if AI, the motivation behind the adoption of AI is not to eliminate people, but to improve the experience, to improve the ability of the organization to meet the needs and expectations of customers, then I am 100% behind it. And the only way that that can happen is if AI or any technology is adopted in alignment with the customer journey. Okay? A lot of organizations are putting AI in place, but they don't know what their customer journey looks like. And what that means is that we need AI. Let's put it in. Okay, But why? What do you want it to actually do? You know, do you want it to answer all of those questions that, quite frankly, customers shouldn't have to contact us about? You know, it's all of that unnecessary stuff that really automation can do that, you know, but by doing that, it's not about eliminating our people. It's giving our people more time to focus on the things that really matter. Coming back to your point, I'm hoping this is all connected together. You said something that I think is very important to kind of zero in on. And you said, what is the motivation? Because in my head, I'm thinking, okay, well, as AI gets better, it's going to sound like a human. If you're in a messaging channel, it can be very much the person on the other side may not know if they're talking to a human or not based on empathy, based on you know theory of memory, like all these things that AI is getting so good at so fast. How is that not essentially accomplishing kind of what you were saying? Because people are looking for that human experience. But I think what you were saying is what's more important is for the business, what is the motivation? Because ultimately, they're going to create better experiences if they're thinking, not how do we cut costs? How do we use AI to cut costs? But how do we use AI to improve the customer journey? Yes, that is what I'm saying. You do raise an important point, though. I mean, I am not that I am a technophobe. So, you know, I can't pretend to understand how on earth AI works. And will we, within a very short period of time, be in a position that 
as you say, I could be talking, you know, maybe James Deal is not real. Maybe you are an AI machine, you know, but the moment I can't get my head around that becoming a reality, maybe it does become a reality and maybe that does completely change the game. I don't know. But can we get to a point where automation really understands how to empathize, you know, really understands how to adapt to what it is the customer's saying. One of the things that I preach about is that empathy is the most important underlying principle of customer experience. And the meaning of empathy is that you understand how you make someone else feel. Now, can technology understand how it makes me feel? You know, can technology, however advanced it becomes, really understand who the human is at the other side of the interaction? You know, because what I will always describe to people is that customer experience is all about human to human interaction, ultimately. You know, it doesn't matter how digitally enabled we become. It has always been and will always be about human to human interaction because the AI fundamentally is being designed by humans for humans to serve humans. So if the humans developing the technology don't really understand who they're developing it for, you know, there will be a mismatch. Because if you think of the analogy of what happened during the pandemic, when human beings were only able to interact with each other like this through a screen, they weren't able to interact, you know, face to face. There were positives to it. You know, we saved a lot of time in the car, not getting in the car and traveling to places, but actually human beings mentally, psycho psychologically, it wasn't a positive thing. You know, so there are so many other things that have to be factored into this but but this is why i think if ai is so powerful already that if you do look at an end-to-end -end customer journey and question what is going wrong in that journey because in every customer journey there are lots of pain points lots of opportunities for improvement a lot of the pain points are what i call things that are random things that keep going wrong over and over again. And what we're using humans for right now is to fix the same problem over and over and over again. If AI can be used to eliminate that, so we don't have, because that's non-value added activity as process experts would say. If AI can be used to eliminate that stuff, it will save so much money. And that is what I think organizations need to be thinking about. Not how do we cut cost, but how do we eliminate unnecessary things that we're doing that give our people the time to focus on what matters. Perfect. So that's an excellent segue into, I'd love to start to talk then about the customer journey, because that's where I think, as you've just said, AI is applied intelligently <laughs> from by humans into the customer journey. You know, we have a multi-touch point, multi-channel markets where we're trying to engage customers in a bunch of different ways in a bunch of different places. So from your perspective, what framework should businesses be thinking about as it comes to taking AI and applying it to the customer journey? So when we talk about frameworks, I am very, very passionate about the need for structure and rigor when it comes to customer experience. In fact, I describe customer experience as a science. It's not rocket science, but it is a science after all. And the customer journey is a critical competency that sits within the science that customer experience has become. Now, as you know, as many people know, lots of organizations around the world have got very excited about the customer journey over the last 10 years or so, but very few organizations based on my unusual experience of dealing with so many 
many organisations in so many parts of the world don't necessarily understand how to effectively deal with the customer journey. And what I mean by that is there is an obsession with customer journey mapping, but customer journey mapping in itself doesn't achieve anything. When I talk about a framework, when it comes to the journey, organisations must, in my opinion, understand not customer journey mapping, but customer journey management. And customer journey management is a cycle of continuous interconnected activity, which includes the following. Knowing who your customers are so you can visualize the journey, so you can measure the journey to identify the small number of priorities having the greatest negative impact on customer perception as a result financial performance. And when you know what the priorities are, you then fix them. And that is a continuous, never-ending cycle. Now, if I just expand on that a second... One of the mistakes organizations are making with customer journeys is that they are thinking about customer journeys as channel journeys or product journeys. The customer journey is called a customer journey for a reason, because it's a customer journey. It's not a product journey or a channel journey. And if customers interact across products and across channels, we map those things independently of each other. We misinterpret how the customer is interacting with us. When we visualize the journey, many organizations have mapped journeys, but they don't do anything with them. You know, most organizations have mapped their customer journey once and never looked to them ever again. It's amazing how many organizations have been measuring the customer journey for years, but they don't actually know what the journey looks like. You know, and then when you think about, well, what is it that we need to focus on to fix? A lot of organizations will tell me that they know what the priorities are, but they don't fix them. You know, it's only when we put this cycle in place that we will see the measurable change we're looking for. So when it comes to something like AI, it's really important that anyone that is involved in the field of AI questions whether or not the organization has that understanding of customer journey management. Because the first thing that they have got to understand is who is the customer that you are focusing this technology on? You know, it sounds so ridiculously obvious, but so often we don't think about that. We need technology. Boom it goes in. But who for? <laughs> who are these people? You know, it's like if your customer base is a, I don't know, a, a mature customer base, the baby boomers who are not particularly that they like having a conversation, maybe that the kind of AI that you're thinking about is not suitable for that particular customer base. And then when you visualize the journey, it's really important. And this is critical from an AI and technology perspective, that the journey is understand from two perspectives. It is critical that there's an understanding understanding of the current state journey. But from an AI perspective, it is as important to understand what the future state journey could look like. Okay. Now, again, this is so important, but it doesn't happen enough. AI, in many cases, organizations haven't put it in place yet. It's about the future. And what we need to understand is what is the difference between where we are today and what the future aspirational journey could look like? Because the reason that AI is so important is that it can really help to close that gap. But you've got to know what the gap is first. You know, too many organizations right now with AI, they're not understanding the current state. What they're doing is just thinking about the future state. The problem, though, is that the current state journey already exists. 
you know, and you can't throw away the current state and start tomorrow in the future, you know. And and I think there's a real opportunity for technologists to show that AI is not this sort of scary, dangerous thing. You know, AI is a good thing that if we effectively apply it to the current state journey, it will move us towards that future aspirational state quicker. So are there certain parts or places in the current state journey that you typically recommend companies look at implementing AI? Or is it hard to I would never use that language of recommend. I think my suggestion or guidance would be to firstly, in that current state, identify where your the small number of priorities are that are having the greatest negative impact on customer perception. It's about the identification of pain points, but then prioritizing which pain points are having the greatest impact. And AI may well be the opportunity to address those pain points. Okay. Now, but there is a problem. Okay. And the problem is, and I think for those working in this field, listening to this, it's important to know when I ask organizations to think about the future state journey, most organizations don't really know what's possible. You know, if you say to someone, how could you deliver the perfect journey? Right. They're constrained by what they think is possible. And I don't think there's enough of an understanding within an organization of what AI can actually do. You know, people read stuff and they see it in the media. But I think we need AI professionals or specialists to articulate. Actually, this is what it can do. You know, don't be scared of it, but they need to be in the room. And very often I don't see people like that in the room when I'm supporting organizations in visualizing their journey. So I think there is more education that's required. It's sort of we shouldn't just blindly go down this route. The analogy I remember about 10 years ago, I was speaking to a, a membership association. Okay. I won't say which one. It was a very dull industry. And I said to the CEO, you know, what's your ambition? What do you want to happen? And he said, I want to be the next Uber. You're a membership association for a professional discipline. Well, what do you mean you want to be the next Uber? You know, but I think we get so excited about these things, but we don't understand them. You know, and I'm a customer experience specialist. I'm not an AI specialist. And we need to utilize the knowledge of those that understand this so that when they can see where the issues in the journey are, they can say, this is exactly where we can eliminate that. You know, that, that's my view. So do you have any examples of where you've seen businesses practically take AI and improve their customer journey? Not yet. If I'm brutally honest with you, not yet. I've seen, I know chatbots is not quite the same thing, but I've seen organizations bluntly apply certain things like chatbots without understanding the journey that has actually had a negative impact on the customer experience. A bad chatbot, there's nothing worse than a bad chatbot experience, right? <laughs> Absolutely. But right now, it's too early. I haven't yet seen. But bear in mind that I work with legacy organizations. So but so they'll be slower on the uptake for sure of the technology. But they will be slightly more hesitant, maybe resistant. I don't know, but they're not quite there yet. But that for me is the massive opportunity for AI. Because what you need to consider is that for me, AI is as much about our ability to create leaner, more efficient, more effective experiences as it is making money. What, what I mean by that is I believe that AI can help organizations save money, not cut cost, 
but save money. All right. But at the same time, if it's done in the right way, it will then develop better, stronger, deeper relationships with customers over time. The issue is if it's seen as a way of cutting cost, that development of relationships over time won't happen. So it's a bit like if you want to cut costs, the easiest way to do it is just to fire everyone. Okay, You achieve your objective immediately, but you will make the experience worse. But my concern with AI is that it's the same thing will happen. If you just put it in to replace your people, you will save money straight away. But will you improve the experience? It's unlikely. For me, where AI has, I'm, what I'm excited to see about AI is the biggest source of wasted cost in an organization is as a result of delivering random experiences. You know, so every time a customer interacts with you and they never quite know what's going to happen, and a lot of those things are go wrong unnecessarily. You know, if you think about the, the volume of unnecessary contact into a telco or into an energy company, you know, asking questions that, quite frankly, they shouldn't have to ask. You know, that is where I think if AI is adopted in the right way, it will save millions. And that, for me, is the exciting thing. Because right now, everything I've described is manifesting itself in is a world that is stretched. I hate that word. Every company tells me that they're stretched. Every company tells me we haven't got enough people. Okay. But I believe that they do. You know, most companies have more than enough people, but it's what they're doing that's the problem. And this is why it's not about cutting those people. It's about eliminating the stuff that they can't deal with. There's just not enough time in the day, you know? And the thing is, is that we need to become a customer centric organization. People need to have time to think. You know, the problem is there isn't any time to think because everyone's so busy doing all that stuff that actually AI could do for them, they haven't got time to think. So for me, that is AI. My background is in process improvement. So I'm a, a Lean Six Sigma master black belt, amongst other things. You know, AI could be the answer to wasted interaction. It should be. And that's what I'd love to see more of. But I know it's a long-winded response to your question. So I haven't seen that yet, but that's what I want to see. So we've been talking about the kind of the, what is AI? What is automation? How do they intersect around customer experience? We're starting to really think of, we think about automation as a proxy for physical labor. And we think about AI as a proxy for cognitive labor. And so when you think about that, when you use those applications to AI and automation, I think it helps to be able to figure out, okay, where do we apply this then within our, how do we, I love what you said about being stretched and where does AI help us? Maybe it's create more efficiencies for our current employees. So we don't have to spend more money on labor. You know, we can take, we can make our current employee base more effective and not just throw more people at the problem, but also make a better employee experience for our employees that we have this, I have this conversation with somebody the other day about employee experience and how AI is really critical to help the employee experience. 100%. Again, we haven't even touched on employee experience, but you know, ultimately, if AI is used in the right way, it will make our lives easier. You know, And that's what this should be about. But we've got to remind, and, and I remind leadership teams on a weekly basis, it is your people who define your culture. You know, But at the moment, the more stretched we become, the more disengaged people are. Because we live in a stressful world right now. And some of this is as a result of what happened during the pandemic. 
post-pandemic. We've lived in a siloed world for years, but those silos have become more separated as a result of the pandemic, you know, but they will never come together if we're not giving people the time and the ability to come together because they're too busy to come together. We can't do that. So this for me is where AI is so exciting because I think it can give us the time that we need. But again, it all comes back to that motivation, you know, and as we know, living in a very capitalist driven world, it's all about making money. Will people see this as a money making opportunity? I don't mean the developers, I mean the businesses that adopt it. Unfortunately, yes. But coming back to your point about differentiation, it is the organizations that adopt AI for the right reason in the right way that will be the big winners in my view. Very good. So a couple more questions here before we wrap up our time. Appreciate this. This has been a great conversation. So you said you just ended by saying the organizations that adopt AI in the right way at the right time for the, with the right motives. How do you measure them? Do you have any ideas around how you measure the success of AI implementing into an organization? Yes. And it's no different to anything related to customer-centric measurement, actually, in my view. There are two voices of measurement, as I describe it, that need to be understood in relationship with each other. One of those is VOC or voice of the customer. The other is VOP or voice of the process. Most organizations obviously know what VOC is, and most are measuring and capturing some form of VOC. The problem with only measuring VOC is that customer experience is all about the relationship between cause and effect, the relationship between what we do and the way our customer feels about what we do. Because most organizations are only measuring VOC, they are measuring the effect of what they do. Now, it would take me too long to explain that most are measuring that badly as well. So they're jumping to the wrong conclusion, but that's a different matter. What they're not understanding is what is causing the customer to feel that way. And what causes the customer to feel the way they feel are the things that we do every day, our processes. Voice of the process is all about measuring how capable our processes are at delivering touch points in the customer journey. They are operational process metrics, length of time to resolve a query, accuracy of the delivery, accuracy of a statement, number of complaints, you know, operational metrics that in some cases organizations don't even measure because organizations tend to measure what's important to them, not necessarily what's important to the customer. If you can measure what you do in alignment with the way the customer feels, you can actually predict how customers are going to feel. Now, coming back to your question about how should we measure the adoption of AI? Well, AI, if it is being put in place at a process level to, to achieve certain things, if we do that in alignment with the journey, we should be able to see how AI has both improved customer perception. You know, so if, for example, you put in AI to deal with less complex inquiries, okay, you should be able to see that if you ask a customer, how satisfied are you with the way we deal with your inquiries, customers should get happier, okay? But at the same time, if you are putting AI in place to do that, you should also be able to measure the financial impact that that's had by eliminating things going wrong 
and how much money has been saved as a result. Does that make sense? So because there are two categories of return on investment for customer experience. One is revenue generation. The other is cost reduction or cost avoidance. And so if AI is eliminating some of the unnecessary cost of managing things going wrong, immediately that's where you see the measurable impact. And so, but that longer term benefit of revenue generation, that comes as a result of developing the relationship with the customer. That's the long-term return. Organizations won't see that for, it could be 18 months, it could be three years, it could be five years. So in the short term, AI, the best, most effective way of measuring it is to measure how much unnecessary activity it has eliminated. But the key is if you do that in alignment with VOC, you will demonstrate that you've eliminated that unnecessary cost and made your customers happier. Okay, Because if you do that in isolation, you'll eliminate the cost. But if your customers are getting less happy, then AI is actually making the experience worse. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good insight into measurement there. I love it. So kind of let's think future. What do you think when you think five, 10 years from now? We talked a little bit about this at the beginning of the conversation, but what do you think AI is going to, how is it going to be impacting customer experience, customer journey? I think inevitably it is going to have have a bigger and bigger impact over time. I think will we get to a world of avatars and you know potentially me speaking to James the that the AI avatar rather than James the real human? I think it is quite probable that that will happen. Will that mean that we will all have better experiences as a result? Well, I don't know. You know, I'd like to think that would be the case, but the big but is I've been involved in this field for 28 years now. Okay, as you said at the beginning, customer experience was first recognized as a discipline in 2011. Okay, I first had it in my job title in 2005, but it was first recognized as a discipline in 2011. In 2018, I wrote an article called The Seven Year Itch because I could already see that experiences were going backwards, not forwards. And I could have rewritten that article every year since. Interesting. I read that article before the show and yeah, very interesting. Arguably, you know, if people say to me, are experiences that organizations deliver today significantly better than they were in 2011? You know, if I use a British example here, BT, the largest telco in the UK, they've had a customer experience team for over 20 years. If I ask people in the UK, do you like BT? All right. That the air turns blue. All right. It's not improving. So my, I suppose this is glass half empty, but you know, I can see a world where there is a lot more automation, but will the experience be better is another matter. And so this is why I think us having conversations like this is so important because there's, there's a real opportunity here to do this in the right way. And will it achieve that financial impact that shareholders want? Yes. You know, but it's long-term. And we've got to think long term. If we're knee jerk, you know, that's where, again, I will write the 14 year itch, the 21 year itch that, you know, it will just carry on in the same way. But I would love this to lead to sustainable change where technology becomes or is seen not as the replacement for humans but the enabler for humans is the way I would say. Yeah, I think your tools are created. We've seen them come and we've seen them become a part of our culture and our business workplaces and tools. And, and this is just another tool. And tools are used both well and poorly. And technology has been used. We could go through and share the examples of how poorly technology has, the poor experiences it's created for people and how it's 
you know, in fact, destroyed lives if you think about some social media, and, but it's also can be used for great good and great opportunity. I really feel that AI will have that same impact. So like you said, it's important that we keep these conversations. So how do we continue to use these tools in the business context, but also broader than that for good and appreciate the insights there. So one last question before we wrap up. And this one, I've been told this is a not a softball question, but it's not a complicated question either. So we've talked about experiences. Part of what you've hit on there with experiences, memories, the memory, is it a good memory? Is it a bad memory? So this is perfect, feeds into my question here. I believe that memories are what we as, in, as people, as humans have in life. Those are the things we hang on to, whether they're good or bad, as you indicated. If you don't have a memory, it's as if it never happened, right? Or it's as if it didn't exist. And so I think one of the biggest and best things we can do for each other, for our families is create experiences that create memories that are positive. So if you could create an experience right now for yourself or your family with kind of without regard for cost that would create memories, what would that be? It's a lovely question. And actually it is something me and my family do talk about because I'm not a believer in possessions. You know, I've never been bothered about possessions. You know, I drive a Toyota Yaris. You know, it's not important to me. I know it is to many people, but it isn't to me. What's more important to me is an experience and things that we can do together that will live with us forever. You know, possessions, you know, they come and go. It doesn't matter. So in answer to your question, without any need for thought, it would involve travel. We as a family love going away together. My eldest daughter is moving into her third year at university my second daughter that they still want to come on holiday with us you know and i love the fact that we will always go away together and we will the experiences that we have they live with us forever and i think that is the most important thing that's why that's what we should all be doing as human beings is spending time together enjoying life ultimately that there are lots of things that you know people don't enjoy so don't do it you know do the things that you enjoy that you will remember so this summer we're going to greece we're going to athens and then we're another island somewhere i may though because i get the opportunity to travel all the time i may actually i've got to go to abu dhabi in august and for various reasons i might take two of my children with me and while i'm working they are very keen to go to ferrari world if i can make that happen again, they'll never forget that. So that's what it's all about. <laughs> no, absolutely. I love it. I couldn't agree with you more. We love that's the thing we do as a family as well. We've been all over and I couldn't agree with you more. That's a very cool answer. And, and I hope that to trip to Greece uh, this summer is a delight. It's going to be hot is all I know. But yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're actually headed to Japan this summer with our oldest daughter. It's her senior trip. Our children get to pick any place in the world when they graduate. We'll try to make it work. And so we're headed. Well, do you know what? That is I've been 59 countries I've worked in. I've never been to Japan. And Japan is on my bucket list. So I have no doubt you will have an amazing time. Well, I feel similar to Greece. I haven't been to Greece. Would love to go there. And Japan, I've been there for six hours. Flew in, got on a train, left the airport. Does that count? Yeah, I'm not really <laughs> sure. That's why I don't say I've been to Japan. <laughs> Walked around a little village, got back on the train, went to the airport, and that was it. <laughs> anyway, well, Ian Golding, thanks for your time today. This was a pleasure. Enjoyed the conversation. Great insights. And look forward to continuing to track uh, your progress as in the customer experience world. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, James. Practical AI, the capacity for good, is brought to you by Capacity, an automated help desk 
knowledge base and customer experience platform. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found and click follow so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And if you would like to improve your customer experience and internal operations, head over to capacity.com and get started for free. On behalf of the whole team, thanks for listening.